Hey, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will review the ageless question of whether or not patients undergoing gynecological surgery should discontinue the use of hormonal contraception or postmenopausal hormone therapy as a way to reduce DVT risk. Let's take a look at the data. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deep venous thrombosis, or DVT, and pulmonary embolism are collectively referred to as venous thromboembolic events. Now, the prevalence of DVT in patients undergoing major gynecological surgery ranges from 15% to 40% in the absence of some thromboprophylaxis. The presence of an asymptomatic DVT is still highly linked to the development of a clinically significant pulmonary embolism. Now remember that most patients who die from a pulmonary embolism succumb within 30 minutes of the event, leaving little time for therapeutic intervention. So, clinicians should focus on identifying at-risk patients and instituting consistent, effective thromboprophylaxis to reduce the incidence of this frequent, often preventable cause of death. Now, we will cover specific perioperative DVT prevention tools in another podcast. But in this episode, I wanted to cover specifically the question of whether or not patients who are on hormonal contraception or hormone replacement therapy should stop that therapy before elective gynecological surgery as a way to reduce DVT. Outside of surgery, hormone therapy and oral contraceptive use have been associated with an increased risk of venous thromboembolism. Remember, in the Women's Health Initiative, participants using estrogen plus progestin therapy showed a doubling in risk of venous thromboembolism from 1.7 to 3.5 events per 1,000 person years. Now, when using estrogen alone, venous thromboembolism risk remains modestly elevated with a hazard ratio of about 1.3. Now, although venous thromboembolism is associated with estrogen and progesterone use, the overall number of these events is still low. No trials exist that show a reduction in post-surgical venous thromboembolism with the pre-op discontinuation of hormone therapy. So, this practice should not be routinely recommended, and that's according to the college. All right, now that covers women's health initiative and hormone replacement. But what about birth control? Well, prospective collected data does show a small increase in post-op venous thromboembolism from 0.5% to 0.96% in users of oral contraceptives. Now, despite a large sample size of more than 17,000 women, this actually did not reach statistical significance. Now, the risk of venous thromboembolism with oral contraceptive use, and here's a clinical pearl, is directly related to the estrogen dose with a decreasing risk associated with decreasing estrogen formulations. 
So take a look at this data. A case control study, including more than 5,000 participants, showed a 60% increase in venous thromboembolism risk when the use of estrogen-containing products had 50 micrograms of estrogen. But there was a 40% reduction in venous thromboembolism risk with the use of 20 microgram products. This was compared to the 30 or the 40 microgram formulations. So if a patient is going to use hormone birth control before a gynecological procedure, it should be an ultra-low dose defined as 20 mics or lower. However, having this data is important to clarify one thing, that venous thromboembolism risk remains about four times higher for oral contraceptive users than for non-users. So we need to say that again. Venous thromboembolism risk still remains about four times higher for oral contraceptive users than for non-users. Well, what do we do with that data? Because that sounds pretty scary. Well, here's what the college has to say. Prothrombotic clotting factor changes appear to persist for four to six weeks after stopping oral contraceptive pills. Accordingly, the risks associated with stopping oral contraception about a month or more before major gynecological surgery should be balanced against the risk of an unintended pregnancy. Because that sucks just as bad. Now, in current users of oral contraceptives having major surgical procedures, heparin prophylaxis should be considered. So we need to say that again. According to the college, in current users of oral contraceptives having major gynecological surgical procedures, and that includes a hysterectomy, heparin prophylaxis should be considered. Now, because of the low perioperative risk of venous thromboembolism, it is currently not considered necessary to discontinue combination oral contraceptives before minor laparoscopic procedures like a tubal sterilization or tubal excision or other brief laparoscopic surgical procedures. Remember that the ACOG values placing patients into low, medium, high, and highest risk categories pre-op to determine which thromboprophylactic mechanism is best suited for that clinical patient. Now remember that there's a whole list of venous thromboembolism risk factors, and some of these include immobility, malignancy, cancer therapy, previous VTE, increasing age divided as less than 40, 40 to 60, and greater than 60, which is placed as highest risk, pregnancy or the postpartum period, estrogen-containing birth control or hormone therapy, specifically with estrogen and progestin, selective estrogen receptor modulator use, active medical illness, heart or respiratory failure, myeloproliferative disorders, nephrotic syndrome, obesity, smoking, and even varicose veins. Remember, we will cover specific DVT and VTE prophylaxis for surgery in another podcast. But for now, regarding patients who are on combined oral contraceptives or hormone therapy, here is the summary. First, for patients on postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy, no data actually exists that shows that discontinuing hormone replacement therapy before gynecological surgery actually reduces VTE events. However, patients should still be categorized according to the ACOG criteria as low, moderate, high, or highest risk, and the appropriate 
VTE prophylactic mechanism chosen based upon that category. That may include sequential compression devices by themselves, TED hose, or the combination of heparin and compression devices in the high or the highest risk category. Now, for patients who are on oral contraceptive therapy, ideally, these patients should stop hormone contraception about four weeks before surgery. However, that should be balanced against the risk of unintended pregnancy. Or patients should be advised to switch to the lowest dose of estrogen therapy, which is 20 micrograms or lower, like a 10 microgram method, before surgery. But remember, the effect of the pill on prothrombotic qualities can take four to six weeks. Remember, the college states that in current users of oral contraceptives having major surgical procedures, and that includes hysterectomy, heparin prophylaxis should be considered in addition to compression sequestion devices. In patients that are deemed the highest risk of a post-op venous thrombombolic event, consideration of continuing prophylactic anticoagulation should be given to continuing that medication for a minimum of two up to four weeks post-surgery. Well, that wraps up our review of whether or not to stop hormone therapy or oral contraception before major gynecological surgery. Data for this podcast was taken from the American College of Chess Physicians, as well as the ACOG Practice Bulletin, which was the prevention of deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.